John Briggs Consultancy, leading Australia's reconciliation and Indigenous engagement journey. As a leading specialist in his field of training, consulting and facilitation, John has an exceptional talent for bringing each participant, organisation and audience along on a journey of discovery. He is a master of building cultural safety with any group. John works with audiences of all levels and backgrounds, from senior executives to students and educators. He covers political, legislative and economic pillars to help participants gain a better understanding of Indigenous governance in a holistic framework. John Briggs Consultancy is the exclusive provider and subject matter expert around Indigenous engagement for Coles nationally and he's delivered more than 180 presentations for them since 2011. If you want to find out more about John Briggs Consultancy, please go to www.johnbriggs.net.au or call John Direct on 0417 003 565. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. First up, Apologies if you missed us last week. I had a few scheduling issues, but we're back and this is a very timely episode for those of you working in international education and more broadly, for those of you thinking about diversifying your business and managing risk in uncertain times. On today's episode, I'm joined by Janelle Chapman, the Head of International Education at TAFE Queensland. We did, of course, discuss the coronavirus but it wasn't all doom and gloom. Janelle and I also discussed the broader international education sector, how it's changing, what those changes mean, and the kinds of offshore activities TAFE Queensland is involved in. Janelle is not just a leading figure in the international TAFE sector. She's a leading figure in the broader international education sector. She and I met about 10 years ago when I took over as the head of ACPET, the then peak body for private vet and higher education providers. Despite the fact the international education sector was in a crisis, triggered in no small part by the actions of a small number of quite awful private providers, Janelle was always incredibly professional and generous in her interactions with me, particularly the times when we and others were overseas trying to rebuild confidence in the international education sector in Australia. But enough from me. Here's Janelle. It's my pleasure now to have Janelle Chapman, the Executive Director of TAFE Queensland International, join me uh, for this episode of the podcast. Uh, There's obviously a lot of focus um, right across the world, uh, particularly on the impact of coronavirus. We know that international education is one of the sectors that has been particularly hard hit. And while that's you know, something important and something to be keeping a close eye on. 
there's also a lot of other good stuff happening uh, in the international education sector. And so um, it's great to, to have the opportunity to pick Janelle's brains about about some of the, the things that are happening in the sector beyond just the, the coronavirus. So Janelle, welcome. And I wonder if you could tell us, um, start off by telling us a little bit about your background and your current role. Who are you and what do you do? Thanks, Claire. Um, I'm the Executive Director of TAFE Queensland International, which essentially means I'm the lead for all international activity for TAFE Queensland, whether it's onshore, offshore, accredited, non-accredited, short-term or long-term. Um, I have a, a team of 50 people across the state because TAFE Queensland is merged as one um, entity across Queensland and I have 11 staff offshore in our key markets. I've been in the international education um, space for over 30 years now and I've um, been involved in both public and private vet with schools and ELICOS. Um, I am currently the Vice President of the International Education Association of Australia which is the peak body for all sectors schools, ELICOS, VET and higher ed. I will become the president in October this year and I'm very proud of that um, um, that achievement. Okay. I've also... I'm sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, as you should be. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I am also have just been um, um, nominated or appointed to the Council for International Education by Minister Dan Tien as a VET content expert. So again, it's a great opportunity to be able to give the voice of, of VET, which often can get lost in the mix um, of um, you know, the importance of higher ed in the international industry. It sure can. So you are an expert. Um, and exactly the right person to talk us through both what you've seen happening in the sector and then maybe some insights uh, into into how TAFE Queensland um, is dealing with the, the current coronavirus. Can you talk us through how has the international education sector changed then in the years that you've been involved in it, Chanel? I think the biggest change has been that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the sectors were quite isolated and, and insular. So, you know, higher ed was just that, VET was just that. The big difference now is there's much more movement between the sectors. Um, many providers deliver in a number of sectors. So even for Tate Queensland, our biggest focus is VET, but we also deliver ELICOS and we deliver higher ed. We also have TAFE at school. So, People are crossing the board more and that's great from a student perspective because it means they have that seamless ability to be able to move between the sectors depending on what their needs are. I think Australia's reputation um, for a solid framework in VET has only increased over the years and that's mainly because of our quality assurance system. It has rigour around it that can be complex and frustrating at times for us as providers but it does have a global reputation for that rigour. The other big difference for me has been the real engagement with industry. I think we talked about it and there was rhetoric many years ago, but now it really is that very solid engagement, which means that again, it's a benefit for our students. Um, big changes in the way we market. 
So traditionally, our source markets have now become our competitors. And China is probably a great example of that. You know, originally it was only ever a source market into other countries, but now it's a, an entity all um, to itself with, um, you know, having a, a big target for international students going there. We all need now to have a 24-7 profile in our key markets. I don't think you can stay in your home country and expect to be able to be a world leader. Um, and that also means that there's more of a sense of a collaboration now when needed. The international industry is probably very unique in the fact that we are competitors, but we tend to work together when we need to. I think the other big difference for me has been the change of um, the the movement from needing a qualification outcome to more of a focus on skill sets. So the ability to upgrade people's um, skill sets means that they can move between jobs or upgrade in their own role um, in a much faster way than has been available in the past. Um, you know, we still have the issue of bottom dwellers in the system, which give us all a bad name. You know, and whilst we all seek to have quality delivery um, with our programs, it's not always the case. And sometimes there are um, vet providers whose sole focus is about the dollar. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a quality outcome. Um, another point to note is when I said before about more emphasis on short-term training, that doesn't mean that there's any less emphasis on quality delivery. And that's an important um, point to note. You asked the question about how coronavirus is impacting on TAFE Queensland. About four years ago, we deliberately developed a diversity strategy. And that meant that we looked at diversification of our source markets, diversification of our programs, and geographic location. Because we're spread out all over Queensland, we have the ability to do that. We only have one student source market that's over 10%, and it's not China or India. And that's not something that many providers can state. So it's something we're very proud of. It wasn't easy to get to this point. There was certainly a lot of short-term pain to have that long-term gain. But now we have a very um, clear foundation where we can upscale or downscale in any market and depending on what's happening, so the coronavirus is a perfect example, things outside of our control, it means that essentially our um, doors to China's close, but we can upscale hopefully in other markets. We were less impacted by the coronavirus as well because many of our Chinese students had already arrived on shore. So we have an earlier start than universities and therefore it was only really people that had gone back to celebrate Chinese New Year and in the scheme of things we had around about 50 students who needed to self-isolate when they returned and we've virtually got them all back now. That's great news. Um, and I think you might find, you know, universities come uh, knocking on your door seeking it. You could, you could either, you know, jump ship to the university sector or, or perhaps start a consulting business for how to uh, diversify away from, uh, you know, being heavily dependent on uh, just a, a few key markets. I think um, I couldn't agree with you more about how important that is. Uh, and really commend you for the work that, that you've done. Um, 
before I ask my next question, I just wanted to go back. I, I totally agree with you that short courses and skill sets are of equal value and merit um, as full qualifications. There's no should be no distinction on on quality. Um, but I wondered about uh, those offerings for international students. Is that that would be more uh, offshore in country um, offerings? Is that right? Yeah, so probably um, we look at our offshore delivery in, in three main ways. It's either institution to institution, which is more likely than not a qualification outcome. Um, government to government, which is short-term training to upskill government employees, and then direct into industry. And probably that's where the um, easiest fit is for the short-term upskilling. Employers don't want to necessarily have their employees out for a long time to gain a qualification to get the skills they need. So what we do is we develop um, skill sets or clusters of skills that meet the needs of that particular industry or levels of employees, and we deliver that training, which will mean that there's a, a really direct um, result with um, you know students or people having the ability to be um, more skilled in what they do, or alternatively, if they need to change roles, to be able to have a skill set that allows them to transfer some skills into another and um, enhance those skills to be able to do a new role. That sounds very uh, impressive, and I, I wonder we've we've actually ended up uh, where my next question was going to take us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, are there particular um, partnerships or examples that you would be prepared to to share with us to to demonstrate a bit further the kinds of things that you're doing offshore? Yeah, sure. So from a, an institution to institution partnership, our longest serving partner is the Shanghai Second Polytechnic University, and we've been delivering with them for over twenty years now. Like any long-term relationship, there have been good times and bad times. Um, we had developed that off the back of a, um, a sister-state relationship, and that's another thing to be um, really cognizant of. Um, we develop um, partners often of sister-state sister or sister-city relationships because you actually have a partner or a, a city that knows who you are. And so you've got a head start there. So I think it's a great um, way to be able to have a really top-down, bottom-up approach. If we're looking at um, government to government, over the years we've often used things like DFAT funding to be able to develop programs for, it. for example, in a place like Indonesia, we have worked closely with the ministries of manpower, home affairs, education and culture and religious affairs over many years and we've built capacity of individuals so that now those people we taught many years ago are in positions of power and are the decision makers. So it actually helps to embed the relationship as well. And if we're talking direct into industry, it will be about identifying skills needed and that delivery can occur either onshore or offshore. We don't have um, a one-stop shop for any of our delivery. We look at everyone and we customise it or tailor it for that particular need and we almost work backwards. We decide and work out whether they need um, a qualification outcome or it just is skill sets. We then work backwards to develop the program that will meet those needs and then we deliver it depending on the delivery model. It might be us delivering, it might be us training their trainers to deliver, and it could be onshore or offshore or a mixture of both. 
Janelle, thank you so much. What a truly comprehensive um, approach that you and your team and uh, the broader team at, at TAFE Queensland are taking. I really uh, take my hat off to you. Um, and in this era of the coronavirus and uh, and not shaking hands, I'm going to have to make sure that I curtsy when I next see you because, you know, by then you're bound to have taken up your um, chairpersonship of the, the IEAA. And I am being a little bit, um, I'm, I'm teasing a little bit, but I'm truly... Uh, in awe of what you have managed to do. And I, I really think that long-term vision uh, that TAFE Queensland has allowed, even as it's structured and restructured um, over the years uh, and the work that you've put into uh, your partnerships and, and your relationships is, uh, is a testament to your leadership. And I'm very grateful for your time on the podcast. Thank you very much, Claire. I appreciate it. And with that, we're almost at the end of another episode. I'm conscious that as the coronavirus continues to spread, there's an interest and indeed a necessity for more education to be delivered online. With that in mind, I'm looking at how I can assemble some information for you and we'll have more on that in future episodes. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to speaking next week with Simon Finn, from Independent Higher Education Australia, or IHEAR, that's the peak body for the private higher education sector. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, then do get in touch. You'll find me on Twitter at Seafield and Associates, I'm on LinkedIn, and you can also find Clearfield and Associates on Facebook. Lastly, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast from. And thank you again for joining me for this episode of What Now? What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector.